afternoon, Friday afternoon, pretty much everywhere on this planet. It's Friday afternoon. Time for inner vision till two this afternoon, West Coast time. Hey, nice to be with you. Michael Benner with inner vision till two this afternoon, a program on spirituality, a program on health, physical, emotional, mental, and yeah, spiritual health. Is there such a thing? You bet. A program about mysticism and metaphysics, about magic, a show about consciousness, about who we are. I mean, really, and why we think and feel and act the way we do, why we say the crazy things we do and behave the way we do. And uh, we just go deeper than most talk shows that uh, talk about the surface stuff, the all-important what's going on in the world, and then we just roll up our sleeves and wade into the muck and mire and see if we can explore those deeper, often unconscious motives about what's really going on. Nice to be with you today and every Friday. This is our last InterVision program before the uh, winter fundraising campaign, or for those of you who are optimists, we'll call it the spring fundraising campaign, whatever. We haven't had our winter rain yet. We haven't gotten wet yet, so I think winter is still sitting right on top of us here. So, Whatever be the season, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks, starting the front part of next week, in fundraising. And uh, something I enjoy doing, because in the last few years especially, our InterVision audiences have really stepped up to the plate and... uh, and let everyone know, management and the advisory people, the administration here, the people that make the uh, important decisions, that programming about consciousness is very, very important to you. It's definitely part of the Pacific Mission Statement, and it's well-received and appreciated by you. We're here Monday through Friday in different forms and formats from Richard Byrd on Monday, Nita Valens on Tuesday. Lisa Gar calls it the Aware Show on Wednesday and Thursday. My pleasure to be your host on Friday. So you can thank us for all of that. As we thank you, it'll be a mutual admiration effort beginning on Monday. And, of course, we'll be in Friday and a week from Friday with special two-hour programs 
and uh, give you an opportunity to say yes to inner vision, to programming about consciousness, spirituality, and metaphysics. These are drives that go deeper than politics, deeper than social reform. Um, and that's fine if you're motivated to fix the world for largely social or political reasons. Then that's great. But uh, injustice certainly has a spiritual depth to it as well. And many of us feel mandated, compelled, maybe that's the, the word, compelled for whatever reason to uh, fight injustice wherever we find it. I think often just because we're victims of that injustice ourselves. And so uh, I hope you'll make it a point. Here's my bottom line. I hope you'll make it a point to join us a week from today and two weeks from today during fundraising to make a pledge, a donation to KPFK and to Pacifica to be a, a family member, a sponsor, a sustainer of this commercial-free programming 24-7 all year round. Never has the need been greater. Never have we been in more desperate straits. I know there was a lot of hope, and there remains a lot of optimism. I'm an optimist. I'm hopeful. As a result of the elections a few weeks back. But you can see that uh, there's only so much the Democrats can do, and besides, they're really not a sufficient alternative in many ways to Republicans because they're they're in the hip pocket of many of the same big moneyed interests. And so the battle continues on many fronts and information is power and that's what KPFK is all about. So we'll have special programming, we'll have surprises for you and uh again I hope you can make it make a special point to join us for that. So that'll be one week from today, and then again two weeks from today. I'm pretty sure Doreen, my wife, will join me. We'll do a special two-hour program and uh, have some fun. Okay. Today what we're going to talk about is the secret of happiness. This is an elusive topic. I, uh, in contemplating this program, preparing for this program, I was remembering an episode, an incident, Way, way back when I was still in co- uh, college, really, yeah. And a bunch of us were sitting around the grill. And I remember a woman saying, well, it's about happiness. It's just about happiness. I think everybody just wants to be happy, as if she were summing, uh, summarizing the whole reason to be alive, the primary motive to exist, the reason that... People even bother to you know, get out of bed in the morning. Happiness, she said, that's what it's all about. And I've always remembered that. And, and yet here I am many years, many, many years later, wondering aloud on the radio with you about why that's so darn difficult to attain and maintain happiness. And so that's our theme for the day. I'm going to talk about it a little bit, have a few comments to make about happiness, and then we'll open up the telephones and let you jump in with uh, your good observations about the nature of happiness and what we can do to be more happy and more fulfilled. And uh, 
I think where I want to begin is to create a context that says we're not talking merely about personal happiness. Because, and I think this is a good place to begin, because how could you be happy if it were a selfish state of mind? I mean, if, you know, a materialist could say, well, I got mine, to hell with you, I'm happy. But are they really? I mean, does money make you happy? No. I know people without money who are happy. I know people with lots of money who are miserable. Uh, it, it helps. It certainly uh, provides a certain amount of, uh, of freedom or latitude, but that's not the secret. That's not the key. And in most cases, for most people anyway, if an individual is happy, you still have a, uh, I don't know, an urge to want to share that with other people. I think it's the uh, the poet Byron that said, happiness is born a twin. First thing you want to do if you're happy or if you find yourself in a happy state or something good happens to you that causes you to be happy, first thing you want to do is find somebody else who's happy and Share with them your happiness. Or maybe find someone that's uh, on the verge of being happy and help them over the edge by sharing your good news. You know, So part of what happiness is about, I think, is a shared experience. It's pretty hard to be selfish and happy. Uh, I think that's the first point I want to make about it. It's uh, non-exclusive. It's... Uh, it's inclusive nature, happiness. Uh, another uh, point I want to make here, just off the top of my head, I don't really have notes, but I have given this some thought today, and, and actually in other days too. A friend of mine and I, we were thinking about buying a telephone number that had Be Happy in it. You know, where you spell out the telephone number, this guy wanted a lot of money for it, and we thought, let's buy... I forget if it was 866-BE-HAPPY or 877 or 888 or 800 or whatever. Spelled out be happy. And so uh, we did quite a bit of reflecting on the whole topic. And one of the important concepts about happiness that we need to talk to at the top, I think, uh, besides this idea that it's non-exclusive, happiness really is sort of a shared experience, is that most of us want conditions around us to produce or promote our happiness, uh, as if we are victims of happiness. We want other people to make us happy, uh, or we want circumstances and events to align in such a way that it creates happiness for us. No problems. We want... You know, freeways to be wide open, no traffic, no idiots, nobody going too fast, nobody going too slow. We want uh, all the check stands in the grocery store to be open, and you even want people at the bank to be nice to you. Remember when banks had customer service? <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Gas stations were called service stations. People used to go out of their way to be nice to you. At your service, Joe Blow, at your service, ready to make you happy to provide good service to you. Not much of that anymore. 
that's pretty much down the tank. Because as the economy consolidates and you have fewer alternatives, why should some giant corporation care about your happiness? Where are you going to go? It's like that old bit that, uh, who was it? Lily Tomlin used to do on, uh, was it Saturday Night Live or maybe Laugh-In, I guess. Where the phone, remember, <laughs> remember Lily Tomlin did the, uh, the phone lady. I forget the character that she invented, the name of the character, but it was, uh, we're the phone company. We don't care. We don't have to. We're the phone company. Something like that. So big corporations aren't interested in your happiness. Uh, most retail stores, most of your commercial experiences are with retailers and others who really don't care if you're happy. They're not happy. Why should you be happy? There's a great scene also that comes to mind as we talk about this. The need for the environment around us to be happy, to make us happy, like we don't have anything to do with it. In a movie called Breaking Away, gosh, this must be uh, 15 years ago. Remember the kid and the bicycle? And uh, he grew up in Indiana someplace, where was it Bloomington or Bloomingdale, where the University of Indiana is, and they have this bicycle race, and the cutters. And he, he loved the Italian... Uh, uh, bicycle racers and was infatuated and pretended he was Italian. And it's a, it's a wonderful story. It's a great story. But the scene I'm referring to is the scene where, where dad played by, uh, a great character actor named Paul Dooley is just so frustrated in his kid because he's always happy, apparently for no reason. He is happy when he gets up in the morning. He's happy to, go ride his bicycle for 150 miles every day. He's happy about this and happy about that. And not only is dad routinely miserable, but the fact that his son is happy, apparently for no reason, makes him even more miserable. Right. So at one point, about midway through the movie, the kid uh, goes off to ride his bicycle to practice for the big race or whatever, and he's he's just so happy. He's just like, for no reason. He just does what he loves to do. And and uh, Dad, again, played by this actor Paul Dooley, has this wonderful scene where he just smashes his fist down on the breakfast table and everything jumps about a foot in the air and he's yelling at his wife and talking about how twisted and messed up his kid is because he's happy. Hell, he's always happy. Hell, he's happy for no reason, the father complains as he smashes his fist on the table and he says finally, this boy has no right to be happy. I was never happy when I was a kid. And then we get this marvelous insight into this character and uh, why it upsets him that his kid is happy. It's like, hey, it's not fair. I don't get to be happy. My, I'm not happy. He was a used car salesman, right? He's not happy. Why should you be happy? And I wonder if you experience that. Are there people around you who, because they're not happy, want to drag, you know, that idea, misery loves company? So you become, as a happy person, especially if you're happy for no reason or if it's 
If you don't need things to make you happy, but you have a will to happiness, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but this is, I think, one of the primary secrets, a will to be happy. Then you can be happy where you are doing whatever you're doing. You could be happy shoveling horse manure if you pull on your will to be happy. It's not what you do. It's not where you're doing it. It's not the circumstances or who you're with. I mean, all of these are factors, of course. But we can pull on a will to love, a will to be happy, and be happy with what we've got. But that threatens other people who want the world to make them happy. As kids, they wanted their parents to make them happy. And then as they became adults, they wanted uh, their romantic partners and their friends to make them happy. And we want our bosses and our coworkers to make us happy. And we figure then there's always the already mentioned, well, if I only had a little more money in the bank, then I could be happy. Gang, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. I don't think that uh, individuals around us, whether we're married to them and sleeping with them or barely know them, work with them or whatever, I just don't think we can expect individuals or groups of people or circumstances or events to make us happy, and I think we're foolish when we set our lives up that way. Or make these bargains. Hey, I'll make you happy if you make me happy. (laughs) Of course, you have to make me happy before I make you happy, and the other one's thinking the same thing, so that, that doesn't work too well. Then there is the order of things. Does success make us happy, or does happiness make us successful? Now, I think this is also real important. In other words, said it a little differently, is happiness a goal, or is success the goal? Or are they both a goal? And if so, what is the road to success, or what is the road to happiness? What is the relationship between happiness and success? And I don't, I don't mean just necessarily material success. Again, we're back to stuff and uh, consumption and how big is your house and how expensive is your car and which country club did you say you belong to? Now, I'm not talking about that. Success and happiness have a relationship, but uh, it's certainly not limited to physical stuff, to material goods or goodies or money itself or an ability to make money or to always have money. Again, I know something I have met in my career as a journalist on and off all kinds of people, some of them rich beyond your imagination. And uh, on a percentage basis, I don't think the fabulously wealthy or even the moderately wealthy are any more or less happy than anybody else. It's almost as if money and stuff really doesn't have anything to do with it. Again, it would be nice, you know, that saying, I've been rich, I've been poor. Yeah, rich is better, you know. But, uh, 
there is a relationship. I'd like to know what you think it is. I, I can tell you my hit on it, but then we'd have to end the show. We're only a third of the way into the program, so we gotta we got to save some of this stuff. The relationship between happiness and success. What makes you happy? Um, and if happiness is a goal or success is a goal, do you have goals? I happen to know the answer to this, which is no. <laughs> Even in business, fewer than 10% of people set goals. Most people refuse to set goals and will not set goals. I see in my own life my resistance to setting goals. And uh, it's pretty hard to attain a goal if you haven't set it, either written it down, which is a great idea, or hold it firmly in your mind and think about it on a regular basis, which works too, but it's even better if you write it down as a reminder. The subconscious mind, the imagination, likes tangible stuff, and when you write things down, it's uh, a big step toward manifestation or realization of that outcome. Do you have goals, and have you written them down? Do you have a five-year plan for your life? Of course not. Why not? Well, because we don't want to be disappointed. Do you have a 10-year plan? Do you have a 25-year plan? Do you know where you'd like to retire and what you'd like to be doing? No, of course not. Few people do. Because we don't, <laughs> we don't want to be disappointed. But then if you don't have goals and you po don't, don't write them down, don't keep them in front of you, uh, how are you going to know where you're going? How can your dreams come true if you don't have any, you see, and work toward them? So then your lack of happiness, your unhappiness is almost guaranteed. But that's okay. That's okay. At least I know I'm going to be unhappy. And besides, all my other friends, well, they're unhappy. And the closest thing we come to happiness is these pity parties where we get together and share just how unhappy we all are. Another point that I think needs to be made, and we'll go to the phones here in a few minutes, 818-985-5735. Love to hear from you, your comments, your questions on this whole topic of what is happiness and why is it so hard to attain and then maintain, why is it so fleeting? 818-985-5735. I know there have to be people that are saying right now, and this is a good point, Michael, how in the hell am I supposed to be happy when the world is going to hell? How am I supposed to be happy with global warming? You know, the North Pole's not going to be there in a few years. The polar bears are dying. There's no snow on Kilimanjaro. Remember the snows of Kilimanjaro? No snow there. Glacier National Park in America. Uh, is losing its glaciers. Ten years, there will be no glaciers in Glacier National Park, at which time I guess I'll rename it uh, the Bush Tropical Forest or something. It'll have to be named for Bush, won't it? Um, or the war. Or poverty. Extreme poverty. And then the kind of poverty that we tolerate among our neighbors right here in Los Angeles County. Right here. 
We don't see the extreme poverty of the third world, but what the Bush administration likes to call hunger insecurity. Just like there's no global warming, there's climate change. We have these euphemisms. Michael, how in the hell am I supposed to be happy in a world where 30,000 children die of hunger every day? Every day! 30,000 little boys and girls die for lack of food when there's so much. And a small fraction of the money that this country alone spends on war would feed them and solve all of the problems that lead to war. But, of course, that would be an equitable distribution of resources, and we can see right now the inequality in the distribution of resources. It's always been the poor get poorer and the rich get richer. It's just that that process is so accelerated right now. So some of you are saying, I'm sorry, Michael, I can't uh, can't be happy in a world like this. Well, are you sure? Are you sure? I mean, instead of waiting for the world to be perfect or even your life to be perfect in order for you to be happy, could we pull on this will to happiness, this will to love that I mentioned a few minutes ago? And use happiness as a way to make the world better? I'm afraid that there is a basic error that is made when we think of happiness as a destination. A real fundamental flaw in thinking of happiness as a place that you get to and then try to hold on to, rather than thinking of happiness as a process or a means to an end. And I'd sure like to know what you think. Brooks is our producer. She'll take your telephone calls. and I'm anxious to get to the phones here, so enough said. Let's do it. 818-985-5735-985-KPFK. Your calls, your questions, your comments on the nature of happiness... Why is it so difficult to attain and maintain what is happiness? Is it a goal or is it a means to an end? I'd love to hear from you on Inner Vision. Let's take a short break and we'll be right back. It's reeling in the years, right? Yeah, it's a nice tune. Steely Dan. I think Elliot Randall is the side guy on that guitar. So we're talking about happiness today on Intervision, Friday Intervision, KPFK Los Angeles in your very own radio. Are you happy? How'd you do that? Oh, you just woke up happy. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Can you conjure it? Can you whoop it up anytime you want? Is part of your happiness making other people happy? Is it possible to be happy in a vacuum? Can you be happy in a world that stands on the brink of such chaos and disaster ruled by such evil when the brightest light in the world at times has seemed to be 
the Constitution of the United States of America, and especially its Bill of Rights, the economic opportunities available through a free enterprise. And then you see free enterprise devoured and destroyed by monolithic capitalism, who then influences the government and finally takes over the government to the extent that they start to take apart the Constitution. Kiss off habeas corpus. What the hell? You never knew what that meant anyway, right? Fourth Amendment, right to protection from unreasonable searches and seizures. What the hell do we need that for? we got to get them terrorists, right? So what if they read our mail and our email without a court warrant? Imprison people without charging them, without that one telephone call. Render you to another country where you're tortured. So what? If you do it in the name of the red, white, and blue, it's good torture. Be happy. I understand the challenge. I really do. But then maybe happiness is part of a process of avoiding burnout and staying strong and uh, putting a smile on your face. Right now, as we speak, my wife, Doreen Key, is in another studio here at KPFK. She's interviewing the Australian pediatrician, Dr. Helen Caldicott, who for, oh gosh, uh, 25 years or more has uh, been at the forefront of the disarmament movement, anti-nuke movement. And we watched a little video about her last night and how she keeps her energy up, how she stays enthused and enthusiastic, and avoids burnout. You know, how do you stay happy? And I'm not saying that she answered it in this DVD, but it was interesting to watch the struggle. And I have lots of friends who are activists, you know, who dedicate big hunks of their lives to working for social and political change. And then, of course, there is that whole field of personal and spiritual development where happiness is a function of spiritual love and you can't live in a vacuum, you know. No man, no woman is an island. You've got to share, you've got to care, and happiness is related to that. I just want to know what you think about this whole topic. And maybe we can help everybody to be a little more happy today and happier still tomorrow. Not as a way of laying down then and doing nothing, not a, not, not a quality of contentment or satisfaction that says the hell with you, but that compels you even more to improve the world around you, to share that happiness. Again, like the poet Byron, happiness was born a twin. Something good happens to you, you want to share it. The roots of our political and social and, yeah, even spiritual or perhaps, yeah, especially spiritual motives to make a difference in the world is this concept. I'd love to know what you think about it. Let's go to the telephones, and we'll start in Riverside with Dwayne. You're on KPFK on Intervision with Michael Benner. Hi, Dwayne. Hey, how you doing, Michael? Thanks better for having better. me on. Happier and happier. I, I'm, I'm focusing on happiness. And my comment or my view, I think that many people fail to recognize that they have everything that they need when they begin each day. And I think a large majority of the problem is the pursuit of more. 
that I need a bigger house, I need a bigger car, and they fail to recognize that, hey, the simple house that they have is sufficient for their happiness. The simpleness and basicness of their life should give them happiness. So why do you think people want more? I think it's the I think it's the uh, environment we live in, where you look around and you see uh, your neighbor or the uh, entertain those in entertainment spouting more, more, bigger, bigger, flashier, flashier, and people begin to feel that that's a justification of this life, and I don't believe it is. So, it is sort of funny, isn't it? So, if uh, it's like Bush. Um since he announced his new plan, which is send more troops to Iraq, I've been waiting for some pundit somewhere to say something like, hey, more of what doesn't work is just more of what doesn't work. And I, I haven't really heard anybody say it, at least not quite that way. And I'm hearing the same thing in your comment, that if it's if we can be happy without having stuff, uh, then more stuff is not going to make you more happier. Yes, I agree. Or is that bad English, more happier, more happy? More because what, yeah, I agree with you there. Because what I attempt to do on a daily basis, as I count the things that I have, I come to a point where I have so much, that then I, and we'll focus on time, that I have more time to give to others, that I can pick up the telephone and call that young niece or that young nephew and spend time asking them, what do you want to achieve? What goals do you want? And really focus on the, on passing on what I believe happiness is to others. And, with, and if it's not accepted, really not feeling bad if they don't pursue it. But at least I have the time now to go and, to go and share that. You understand the direction I'm going. Yeah, sure. So right off the top of your head... Uh, I know you don't have a list in front of you, so just ad-lib for me. Your list, Dwayne, of things that make you happy include, give me two or three things, right off the top of your head, things that make me happy. Uh, the things that make me happy is that when I wake up, I have my family next to me, and I know that they've made it safely through the night. I know that I have an opportunity to uh, improve my education. I know that I have finances available to me, not great amount of finances, but my finance is there. I know in addition that I am healthy, I can see, I can speak, I can walk, I am I'm blessed with both arms, both legs, and we go on from there. <laughs> All right, that's a pretty darn good list, mm -hmm. given that you just had lived it. Thank you, man, yes. I appreciate it. You have a final shot for us? Uh, the final shot is that most people become frustrated in the pursuit of what they want. And if they step back, they'll find that the things they really want causes them the greatest frustration. Yeah, okay. And they need to focus on what they need. Okay. I think that's very close to, it's certainly part of what I'm looking for here today. Thank you for that. All right. Thank you for having me on. Have a great you day. You. Thanks for calling. Let's go out to the San Fernando Valley. AJ, you're on Intervision with Michael Benner on KPFK. Hey, Michael. Hello, AJ. How's it going? Better and better. Thank you, man. Good. I'm glad to hear that you're also uh, being uh, happier and happier today, too. That's good. That's right. Happier and happier. So anyway, anyway Michael. Um, I tried the other way, by the way. You tried the other way? Yeah, I tried not being happy. Oh, I see. 
nobody happy. was impressed. Not being happier and happier. Being yeah, no, nobody was impressed. Didn't, 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 didn't fly too well. I think I was four or five years old at the time. It didn't work. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so anyway, I, I was going to uh, see. Uh, I was going to uh, put something out there um, as far as happiness, and especially maybe in, in light of what you said, in light of our somewhat troubled world, or very troubled world right now that we're living in here on the planet. The, uh, the troubled state of our environment and the, the human species, etc. Yeah. As reports just keep coming out more and more. But I think if we asked uh, or talked with the Buddha, uh, he uh, he or or she or the Buddha discussed um, uh, maybe detaching from things as a, as a path towards happiness. Just not um, give up your not, desires. Yeah, desires or giving up, even seeking, just going with uh, what might be maybe what uh, the idea is getting towards is that we're in uh, our natural state is a state of happiness when when we're healthy. So if we can release from wh- whatever else is going on, we can we can be, be become happiness, our, our natural state. You know, on the uh, I'm glad you brought this up. On the other side of the. KPFK fundraising campaign, the fund drive that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next program we do after that, which will be Friday, I believe March 2nd, I will have as a guest on this program a woman named Connie Zweig, who was here a few years ago. She wrote a book at the time called The Holy Longing. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that every appetite, every urge, every desire, Every longing, did I say that, is really part of being separated spiritually from our source and wanting to return to that spiritual source. Mm-hmm. And we spent some time then, and will again when she's here on March 2nd, though she has a new book about Rumi, and we're going to talk about the allegory of loving romantically to loving God. I'm also going to bring up this other book of hers because I think it's so wonderful, The Holy Longing, where we discuss the difference between spiritual desire or what many people would call aspiration, if not desire, to aspire rather than desire, or sometimes it's big D desire, to desire to know God, to go home, right, Mm -hmm. to uh, complete that cycle. Involution, spirit in the matter, evolution, matter back to spirit. And that what Buddha meant was to give up a desire in the material sense for things, Mm -hmm. stuff, money, status, prestige, leverage, relationship, uh, uh, a leg up on somebody, that kind of desire, but not the desire to know self or to understand our relationship with the cosmos. And I don't hear that discussed a lot. Does that still work for you? Is that part of your understanding of what Buddha meant by your suffering is in your desire? Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And, and, and the other uh, you know, thing that you, that you, the last part of it, that your take on that perhaps uh, going towards... Um, or accepting, I'm not sure how to, how to phrase that, but as far as the desire towards or, or, or wishing to, seeking also, uh, which I guess may be a desire, uh, uh, to remember our path back towards the source, towards God, or towards our natural state, whatever, we, however we want to put that. 
and uh, and existing within that state. So um, that, that might be kind of paradox, paradoxical, if that's a word. Yeah. But it, but it's 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 good good ideas for sure. Um, I also want to put one more thing out there real quick, Michael. Sure. I think one thing you said. Uh, I kind of I think while it's 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 good to be able to reach happiness with just by with one with oneself, the tools one has with oneself. I think it's also our, our natural state as a hum, as a species, humans. It's natural to be tribal, to be amongst others, and I think that's one thing that brings me happiness. And and I think most other humans, I would argue, happiness is being amongst others and and living harmoniously and in groups. Yeah, it's hard as much as much as I like being left alone sometimes. Right. Uh, even if I lived in paradise, I'd have to. I'd have to have some friends around, somebody I can seek out from time to time. We are social critters. There you go, yeah, some yeah. creature that speaks our language. Yeah, yeah. We can reproduce with. You that know, we could see ourselves uh, mirrored in their face, in their eyes. Yeah. Yeah, we do need that. That's very what good, I meant Mike. by happiness yeah. is born a twin. But Very good, thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks Michael. for calling. Yeah, the Four Noble Truths are pretty basic to um, most people. Well, to everybody who studies Buddhism in one form or another, the idea that life is suffering, but you're setting yourself up by desire. So if you drop the desire, you drop suffering. And there's magic in that. But uh, you got to stay with it for a little while, not something you can understand in three or four minutes. Let's go to North Hollywood. Barbara, you're on KPFK and Intervision with Michael Benner. Hi, Barbara. Hi, how are you? I'm better and better, thank you. Oh, good. Happier you know, I happier. just called up to, I'm fine, thank you. I just called up uh, for another reason. I was on hold and I heard a little bit of the program. I listen to your program sometimes when I'm driving. But I heard one little line which made me want to call up, which was, uh, is life, what's more important, the journey or the destination? Yeah. And my Buddhist priest gave a lecture on that a few years ago, and uh, his point was that, of course, the journey is the most important thing. And so I called about that, and then while I'm on hold, I'm hearing the program, and you're talking about Buddhism. And I've been Buddhist for quite a while. So it's just interesting how things kind of happen mystically, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and um, But I, I did want to say one comment, if I may. Well, of course. And that is that um, I don't think, uh, with the little I know about Buddhism, I'm not being uh, condescending or, or trying to act humble. I don't know a lot about it, but... I don't think that in the Mahayana teaching for that's um, applicable to today's world that you have to deny yourself your desires to attain enlightenment or to be happy. I think you pray so your desires are fulfilled. I think in in um, Hinayana Buddhism, when Shakyamuni lived, that was true. But now in this time period we're living in, we pray. Uh, this is my uh, belief uh, from from what I understand about Buddhism, that we pray for our desires. Uh, when I was homeless and addicted to drugs 40 years ago, I was praying, but I couldn't be happy, homeless and addicted to drugs. And now, 40 years later, I'm uh, very healthy, 40 years clean and sober, and um, um, have a material, uh, uh, very comfortable and through my prayers of uh, 39 years, actually, of being Buddhist, I am a fulfilled person. And um, But if I had denied my desires, wanting to get off drugs, wanting to uh, not just be a uh, person without any 
uh, medical or um, material um, health or benefits. I couldn't have been happy. I couldn't have helped other people. I, this is my, my take on it. Well, I think it's a very good point that you make, and it speaks to what we were discussing a moment ago there with, uh, who was it, AJ, and uh, what do we mean by desire? And I think in whether you, I'm not, that clear on all the differences between those two mainstreams of Buddhism, Hinayana and Mahayana. I think Mahayana is maybe a little more practical or a little more mm-hmm. mature or so. um, a little more appealing to Westerners. Maybe mm-hmm. Hinayana is more for those who want to be priests and nuns. And but actually, I think there are priests who uh, do practice Mahayana Buddhism who are not um, as, is the word ascetic, uh, are more into uh, the type of um, lifestyle I'm, I'm describing. Yeah. And, um, well, my question, if I can interrupt you, is uh, to bring you back to the point, is that would it really be a desire for you to get off drugs, or would that be an aspiration? I think uh, it's just a difference in words. I think the important. But huh? may I say, but an important difference, because um, if 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 you are suffering, you see, if if the four noble truths are about your desire is the result, your suffering is the result uh, the result of desire. So drop the desire, and you drop suffering. Well, hmm. then to desire not to suffer would not be a desire. Well, could I say something? Um, I think uh, the the birth. Um, the sufferings of birth, aging, illness, and death um, are inherent in human life or in all life. Birth, aging, sickness, and death, those are the four sufferings. And um, so whether you uh, uh, pray to overcome them or deal with them in any way, I don't think that's the issue because that is life. Birth, aging, sickness, and death, that is that is just life. That doesn't change. Yeah, but if you and I could both have the same condition, material condition of suffering, and you might handle it a lot better than me because I resist or I refuse to accept or I don't see any silver lining in, whereas you accept and you don't resist and you see opportunity in your suffering, and so perception is still a reality here. And even they say in Buddhism, sometimes I've I have heard in Buddhism that actually your hell or your uh, your suffering becomes your enlightenment. Actually, I've heard that, sure. and I don't understand it completely at all. But I've studied it a little bit, and uh, what what has made me the most suffer the most deeply with my drug addiction and my illnesses has brought me the most compassion towards other people now that I don't have those conditions in my life. When I drive around and hand out water to homeless people, if I feel like it on a good day to make myself feel better, I know I'm helping somebody else. This is a, you know, just as a little hobby of mine. I like to do that. But that's way off the point. Um, the things I'm, the view, I think you get my point. What made me suffer the most brings me the most compassion to people who are suffering like that now. So yeah. makes me a better person. My suffering has made me a better person, a more th- worthwhile person, and a person who can be of help. And a Christian to other version. Pardon me? Yeah, and the Christian version of that would be we all have our crosses to bear. 
I don't know. Yeah, you, you, you do know. <laughs> well. <laughs> you just explained it. You did very well. Thank, thank you, Thank you very much for listening. You thank bet. you for your time. Thank you. Bye. See, the problem, of course, is that words is all we have, so sometimes we got to take, you know, a run at this from a couple of different angles to get the words down. Like earlier in the hour, talking about the difference between desire and the common sense for material stuff or for, you know, loving relationships or any condition that the grass is always greener versus capital D desire, or in some traditions, aspiration, which is an unfoldment of who you really are, a natural development that is very different than desire. One sort of horizontal. I want that thing over there. I want what he has. I want, look at that car. I want that. Give me more money. Give me health. Versus capital D desire or aspiration, which is, I just want to unfold. I want to blossom. I want to move on up. <laughs> yeah. Higher and higher. A very different concept. It's interesting that Buddhism has come up here because all the religious traditions speak to uh, this concept of love and happiness and suffering and life is what you make it. There is, however, in Buddhism this idea of the middle path. And Barbara spoke to it earlier in in the front part of her call about that somewhat hackneyed, even trite aphorism that life is a journey, not a destination. Well, you know, it may be a little trite, but it's true and it's powerful. And it begs the question here, I've been hinting at it, is happiness the destination or is happiness the way, the middle path. And if happiness is not a destination, if instead it is the way, then we have the answer to the question I put out earlier. Is success the way to become happy? Or is happiness the way to success? In all areas, again, health, wealth, all of the things that uh, Dwayne mentioned in his first call, his health, his relationships, his family, his opportunities, even the opportunity to see blessings in adversity. Just like the peace movement has said, as long as I've been involved in the peace movement my whole life, I've re- I remember hearing, there is no way to peace, peace is the way. Well, damn it, that's profound. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. And, of course, that means there is no way to love. That love is the way, the path, the middle path, the third way, the middle, between the extremes is the middle way. All the permutations and combinations and options in the middle, but the desire to mediate, to arbitrate, the, 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 the desire, if you will, capital D desire, to be harmonious and to find a balance, to find the middle way, because it's not always on the 50-yard line. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not a constrained middle. It's a very big middle. But to find that middle way, 
to use peace to create a desired outcome, to use love to create a desired outcome. I think happiness is the same way. I think you guys are starting to hit on this exactly, that there is no way to happiness or peace or love, that they are the way. You guys have been hidden at it. Let's go to Orange County to OC. Al, you're on KPFK with Michael Benner on Intervision. Hi, Al. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? I'm better and better, thank you. That's great. How about yourself? Well, I have a great question for you. Okay. I can't answer it. <laughs> Good. Those are the best questions. Well. The unanswerable ones. Yeah, the, the question of happiness and when you know that your happiness, or so-called, is the cause of great despair. I mean, I look at, uh, just look at our freeways, you know, what people are doing with the gas and the driving, and it just uh, blows my mind. And that makes them very happy, though. You think so? Oh, yeah, they don't want a bigger Hummer if there was one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? maybe maybe uh, the problem is the self-inventory. Do people who insist that they're happy driving that bigger car, getting eight miles to the gallon? I don't know if they're telling us the truth, Al. Well, that is their happiness, isn't it? I don't think so. With all due respect to you, and I understand your point, I, I really don't think so. I think it is more a reflection of their fear. I think they're scared to death to to hide inside a vehicle that big, and <laughs> they're getting bigger than than I've ever could imagine. I mean, I remember when Suburbans came out years back. Now that was a big vehicle, but now we've got the Expedition and the, and these guys with these giant trucks. Look in the bed of the truck. There's no dings, no scratches, no dents. They never used the damn thing, and. Uh, no, I don't think they're happy at all. I think it's a pursuit of happiness. <laughs> and I think that's why they're driving so damn fast. They're trying to catch it, but they haven't got it. No. Well, that, that is the question is, you know, what we're doing in, in, in general as the society here, you know, versus, you know, what it costs the third world, you know, we, we go and get it. Yeah. Uh, despite whatever anybody says, is that we're, we want it. Yeah. It's ours. So uh, that begs a question. We'll do another show on this, too, the idea that um, happiness, I guess, is a function of, of consciousness, too. I mean, can we be unconsciously happier just to narrow-minded or myopic to understand our negative impact and be happy anyway? And could we call that happiness? Yeah, these are all good points. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Well, thank you. Have a great uh, great weekend. You have a good one, too. Thanks. Let's pick up one more real quickly in the uh, San, Fernando, uh, San Fernando Valley. Is it uh, Burnett or Bernadette? Burnett? Bennett. Oh, yeah. Bennett, you're on KPFK. Hi, Bennett. Hey, Michael. I almost good called you, you Bernadette there. <laughs> well, let's go with Bennett. I just got a few minutes, Bennett. What's up? Real briefly, I just kind of want to make a little comment, and that's that uh, a lot of people are confusing happiness with desire, and desire, the root of the word desire is of the Father. So I don't think people should be afraid of their desires, as long as they're healthy ones. Desires are good. They make us want to strive for betterment in our lives. 
Now, whether that brings us happiness is another story, but I don't think uh, it's good to be afraid of your desires. Well, okay, I understand that argument too, but you're saying desire is of the Father, so you're framing desire as something spiritual when most people's desires are rather mundane. You know, like, make my acne go away. Make me look like Janie. Uh, I wish I, uh, my butt wasn't so big. I wish, I, you know, so-and-so would love me. I mean, they're pretty petty and mundane desires. Uh, I, I agree, and uh, I, I guess it's best to aspire to maybe a little uh, higher, higher level of desire. Higher, higher goal. <laughs> yeah, good. Thanks for calling. Thank you so much, Michael. In philosophy, there's often the distinction made between small d desire and capital D desire, or as I said earlier, a difference between to desire and to aspire, or in that sense, desire is always a material state or condition or thing, and aspiration or capital D desire is spiritual. Good stuff. You guys never let me down. It's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. D'Angelo Jones, our engineer, as always. Thank you, sir. Brooks, our producer. Thank you. couple of weeks now, we move into fundraising. Don't let me down. Show up with your checkbook, your credit card. Let's support a great radio station and a great mission at a real important time. Join us next week for Inner Vision on KPFK. Check out my website at theagelesswisdom.com and, of course, kpfk.org. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. And that time we spent in hell will You've been listening to Intervision on Radio Powered by the People, KPFK, 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, and universally at kpfk.org.